Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome back to the Cheers to Comic podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is a very, very special creator corner. This week, oh, if you've been following the podcast at all, you know I'm a super fan of Chew. I've covered 10 volumes now through these trade negotiations episodes I've been doing. Go back and listen to those. But the, the, we've got Rob Guillory himself on the podcast. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm I'm honored to have you on the show. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but I can actually say that I am a super fan. Uh, you were a long-term goal when I first started this podcast. I thought if I can get Rob on the show, I've made it. And then you said yes a couple weeks ago, and I've been uh, I've been oozing since. Man, you are my favorite working artist in comics. You truly are. Your your style is is mind blowing. So this is this is a big treat for me. I'm ultra excited. And wow. uh, once again, honored to have you, man. So, cool, man. I, I, I'm very flattered. I'm, uh, I'm blushing a little bit over here. Uh, <laughs> no, it's always, it's always great to hear that you know people are connecting with your work. So I appreciate it. Well, uh, it's actually farmhand that uh, I, I, I missed you when it came out. So that was, I was, I had no idea what was happening. That Chew was a thing for whatever reason it had ended, but when I started collecting again, and then Farmhand came out, and I saw that cover, and I thought, "Holy shit, what is this art? This is the mm-hmm. art that, oh man, if I were if I were to be in comics, this is how I would want to draw. This is how I want to see my comics." And then as I'm checking out Farmhand number one, uh, a guy in line and the the comic book store clerk at Mile High both said, if you haven't read Chew, you need to go back and do this. So I went through and I bought all the volumes of Chew and uh, that's how I, but if it wasn't for Farmhand, I wouldn't have been able to, I mean, discover the the, <laughs> the beauty that is Chew. And awesome. yeah, and Farmhand has been no letdown. I mean, it is, and this is cool because you're actually writing and drawing this one and uh, but I think I want to. We're definitely going to get into farmhand in a minute, but I kind of want to get a little bit of background for the listeners on what you're about, man. Uh, I mean, what? Let's let's start out. What, what? When did you first start getting into comics? What was what was it that drew you into the industry, the medium? Well, I mean, I had I had a couple of uncles back in the '80s who were kind of like the prototypical comic book geeks. Like they had like a giant closet full of comics. Um, I mean, I remember just kind of rifling through this giant collection of stuff. And I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, just old school George Perez, Teen Titans, and uh, what else? Uh, Green Lantern Corps and uh, John Byrne X-Men. And just, I just fell in love with the medium right then and there. And uh, I just, I started collecting my own 
you know, started my own collection in about the fourth grade. And uh, it was actually around that time that I started kind of dabbling and making my own comics. Um, Did you start I, out writing or drawing or was it just I'm doing both? Well, there wasn't much writing involved. It was basically just me scribbling stuff on, you know, random stories about, you know, superheroes fighting because that's pretty much all I knew of comics at the time. Gotcha. Um, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of started there and just always, you know, always drew. I, I was I wasn't. I was always working solo because, I mean, I'm, I'm from Louisiana, and back then we didn't really have, I mean, this is pre-internet, so, I mean, we didn't really have much of a comic industry or exposure to the comic industry outside of, uh, you know, the, the few comic shops we had around. So, no one really, we didn't really know what went into making comics or getting them published. So, I was always kind of doing my own thing and just writing my own comics, drawing them. And I honestly didn't become even aware about how you broke into comics. And I didn't I didn't take comics seriously as like a career path for me until college. Um, it was it was back in 2000, 2001, where the you know, the Internet's in full swing and there's all this information just out there about how, you know, how you actually break into this crazy industry. So it was about that time I started going to conventions and um, actually, you know, had this really I don't know where it came from, but I had this this kind of game plan right from the beginning that I would just go to a convention uh, every six months because I was still in college. So I, I couldn't couldn't afford much, but I was taking like Greyhound buses and renting cars and just traveling. All right. Yeah, traveling. playing the road game, grinding it out like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you yeah. should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right yeah. On. but I, I basically did that. It's just hitting a few conventions every year for like six or seven years. And uh, by that time, I graduated college and... In about 2008, that's when uh, that's when I was offered you with John Layman. Wow, man! And uh, how how uh, how did the? I mean, did you meet him at a con? Is that what it came down to? Uh, is is that? No, no. It's actually a funny story because whenever I was just kind of considering comics, um, you know, I was like I said, I grew up with the big two stuff. So like, I didn't know about indie comics. You know, I knew about Image comics, but even Image back then was just you know superhero comics. Right, you Spawn and all that, man. Oh yeah, okay, right, right. Going. So like, basically, I found like really indie comics. Like, start I started discovering um, artists like Jim Mafood. I don't know if you know him. Um, ah, Jim Mafood. He's been around forever. Um, he's done tons of indie comics. He did a, a book uh, for Image called Girl Scouts. And, okay. uh, and stupid comics. He's 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 actually become a good friend of mine since then, which is cool. But he was kind of the guy that opened my eyes to there being an entirely different way of doing comics outside of you know just the superhero stuff. And when I was kind of exploring that, I, I ran across this book called Puffed um, that was by Image Comics. This is again you know 2001 ish, and okay. it was it happened to be written by John Layman. And I just really liked John's, you know, sense of humor. I liked the book. I loved the art style. It was drawn by a guy named Dave Crosland. And it just stuck with me. And, and you know, they worked together a few times since then. And they did a book, uh, uh, a Scarface sequel for IDW years later. That's so um, awesome. Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. So I, I kind of followed their work and became a, a, a fan of Layman's work. So eventually, uh, just because, you know, the way comics work, it's like, you know, the more you go to conventions, you kind of realize everyone sort of knows everyone else. 
mm-hmm. it's actually it's a pretty small small industry. Um, yeah, so like, e- even as uh, con goers too, you start realizing that oh man, I saw you back in Milwaukee or whatever, and you're just yeah. I mean, it's not even right. necessarily the people at the table. So yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly. a small world. Right. So like, I started working with a guy named Brandon Jerwa at uh, at Tokyo Pop. He was a writer. Okay. And we were doing some stuff for Tokyo Pop that ended up not getting published, but uh, Brandon Jerwa just happened to be good friends with John Lehman. So, you know, John had been kicking around Chew to, to various publishers for years, and everyone had just kept telling him, you know, don't publish this book. Like, this book will ruin oh. your career. Like, this is, don't publish this book. So he, you know, Lehman being, you know, as stubborn and rebellious as he is. Uh, he just decided, screw it. You know, I'm going to do this book. I'm going to finance it myself, and I'm going to find an artist. And we'll, you know, Image Comics had agreed to publish it. He just needed to find an artist. So uh, I met him through Brandon Jerwa, and uh, to his surprise, like I already knew about his work. Like I was actually like <laughs> one of the. I was already. I was one of the few guys that actually read Puff. So like I was actually a big fan. Um, and I actually, like I think a lot of my you know, comedic sensibilities in comics were sort of formed uh, by reading Layman's comics in the early days. So it actually made sense uh-huh. that like, you know, seven or eight years after I decided to, to, to get into comics, the next thing you know, I was actually working with him and making chews. So it actually kind of, it rolled back around in a really kind of funny way. It was meant to be, man, because Chu is one of the... It, when people say, okay, I want to get into comics, but I'm not big on Superman and Iron Man. I don't like superheroes. The first thing I say is Chu, because it, it, it's a it, it's a hero-driven story with superpowers, but by no means is it a superhero-type feeling story. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so different and unique, and there's I can't think of anything else out there that... I mean, I could really compare it to, or even, I mean, put any type of level on it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been very, it's been very surprising, like, kind of the story that we hear more than anything else in regards to people picking up Chew is, you know, most of our readers are people who have never read comics, and Chew was their very first comic, or they, you know, they grew up with superheroes, and they kind of lapsed at some point, and they came back, but they didn't want to, you know, jump back into superheroes. They wanted something a little more mature and alternative. And that's mm. when they discovered shoe. So like, yes. and there's a, there's a lot of couples uh, who read it together. There's a lot. We actually have a pretty large female fan base, which was not expected for for a book about a cannibal cop. Well, like I the, mean, your your female characters are amazing. I mean, Amelia is a badass. She has one of the coolest powers out there, and almost like it's Tony's half, other half. Like Tony gets actually a, a shot of enjoying life because of Amelia. He gets to enjoy things because of her. Pathic ability. I'm not sure what the the actual term you guys use for that. I I, I make up a oh. lot of words with this. Yeah, <laughs> she's a, uh, yeah, she's a uh, she's a sabo scrivener. Uh, yes. She's, uh, yeah. The, I don't remember all of the the food power names, but oh, how there's could a few. You? Yeah, there's a few that I remember, and the core ones are are the ones I kind of yeah. recall. Yes. Yes. Oh man. But uh, no. So I could I could definitely see the 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 female uh, magnetism towards that because it, I mean even uh, Sister Tony, which I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything. She's she's just as badass too, and she continues to be badass beyond her arc. And it's yeah. Uh, for uh, so you I I don't I don't really I'm not surprised at all is what I'm getting I I think it's per it's, it's it's really the book for everybody or at least you know someone with you know a level of maturity that's for sure I wouldn't well 
read it as a yeah. bedtime story to your kids. But, you know. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you know, my wife is not a comic fan. Like, I mean, she she appreciates the medium, but she just doesn't really like like ninety percent of what's out there. Um, mm. But you know, whenever John, you know, pitched Chew to me, I was actually. Uh, it was a it was a Tuesday. We were about to fly out to Comic Con, the San Diego Comic Con, the very next day. And he sent me the pitch, and he sent me the the uh, script for the first issue. And we were going to fly out and meet at Comic Con the next day. And my wife actually read uh, the first issue of Chew before I ever did. Like I, I was I was going to take the gig sight unseen just because I was such a big fan of his work. Mm-hmm. Um, but like she actually read it first, and she loved it. And my wife is very 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 selective. Uh, about what she likes and she immediately was like this is awesome this is going to be perfect for you like your art is going to be the perfect fit for this and uh so that that alone kind of surprised me and gave me a good feeling for the book well uh, speaking of the art i mean you're you're, uh, how where does taylor wells come in at what point you know because taylor wells does an amazing job on these colors as well i know it says color assist so i'm not sure exactly what level, you know, Taylor Wells is, or, you know, how much of the color is you or Taylor, but either way, I mean. Yeah, it's... no, she's phenomenal. Well, Taylor was, we had three, three color assistants on shoe. Uh, what happened was, you know, in the very beginning, uh, the first three issues at shoe, I, I did the art completely solo, including the colors. Okay. And it, I, at some point I realized, um, holy crap, like this is going to, this is going to go beyond five issues and I need yeah. to figure out, I need to figure out like how, how am I going to put out a monthly comic? And I was, there was no, no way I was going to do it, you know, the handling, handling the colors, you know, solo. So at some point I brought on an assistant to basically do like the color flats and that okay. sort of thing kind of working. I, I, I had guides for everything for all the characters and whatnot. And that they would basically go in, do flats. And like from there I would do all the shadows and that sort of thing. And right. Taylor, I had three color assistants. The first was Lisa Gonzalez. Uh, the second was Steven Struble. And the last was Taylor. And Taylor was with me for the longest. So she was with me, I mean, it's from issue 19 until the very end. Um, so we worked together for a good seven or eight years. Um, nice. and, and I mean, she was an incredible help to the book. I mean, I couldn't have kept it on schedule without her. Um, but I mean, because I mean, at the very... Even with her assist, I was still spending oh, an entire week per issue just coloring the book. So wow. it was an intense, intense grind, and I could not have done it without her help. Well, it doesn't look like any, any anything was skipped, that's for sure. I mean, you guys clearly put everything in. I mean, every uh, I can go on and on about how beautiful the art is. The, the art speaks for itself. And I mean, that really does clear up the, the you know, what I, I was always confused when it said color assist, but this, this makes sense. You know, it's a little bit of you, a little bit of her, and man, it meshes so well together. And then it just works so well with Layman's... Uh, Layman's writing too, and I know that you know you you were talking about how uh, you know you know Layman's comedic or yeah comedic ways, but those Easter eggs that you throw in, I've known you've gone on record to say that you don't remember most of them because you're just doing them <laughs> as, you, as you scoot along. But there's still so many, and they're all so good. Uh, so awesome. I mean, you you clearly have your 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 comedic wits about you too, man. So I, it makes me wonder how much of the comedy I mean you're involved in beyond just the the Easter eggs and stuff because you're the framing of everything you do. It's it's oh man, <laughs> and even the horror, the horror factor as well. The the combination between um, comedy and horror is my favorite genre in books. And I mean, mm. with, you 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 guys kill it. 
and especially you, in shoot, and then in farmhand as well. I mean, farmhand is more kind of on a, a horror suspense thing, but you still do your your classic little hidden Easter eggs in there that's going to get a giggle out of people, and I, oh, I love it, man. I yeah, love it. yeah, I, I I had no idea that people were going to like the Easter eggs so much. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I kind of stole that from books like Watchmen. And uh, again, like Jim Mafood is an incredible artist who, I mean, he was pretty notorious. He still does this, but I mean, he would always put little flyers and things in the background that like, you know, were like shout outs to friends or shout outs to like, you know, uh, other creators and that sort of thing. And I just really loved it. And I just love, I just thought, you know, this is like an added level of, of entertainment here. You know, I can go back, like I, I kept for the longest, I had a copy of Watchmen just sitting on my coffee table and I would just randomly pick it up and just kind of, you know, skim through it. And I was always finding all these little extra things that, that Gibbons was always snip, slipping into the art. And I just loved that. And I just thought, well, what, you know, I, I want to create a book that is, you know, maximum level of entertainment which means like I want you to feel like you can pick this up and read it several times yep. and always, read. you know, discover new things about it. And, you know, I, I like to think with Chu and especially with Farmhand that like that there's different, le- you know, layers of reading to it, you know, that maybe you'll read it first for the story then you'll go back for the art and then you'll go back and like see what else I have in it you know, in, in the, in it, in terms of Easter eggs and that sort of thing. And I mean, now that, you know, with farmhand that I'm writing it, you know, the way I'm writing it, there's so much, it's such a slow burn that like, you know, I, it's actually been kind of a terrifying tightrope, you know, walk that like I've been slowly and very deliberately kind of doling out little bits of the story over, you know, at this point, 11 issues. And I knew where I was going from the very beginning. And I knew that, if you know, if I can just get them to issue eleven, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. then like there'll be all this other stuff that will make sense, and then hopefully people will be able to go back again and reread everything in a completely yes. new context. And I mean, we're at the moment, you know, issue eleven just came out last week. Uh, issue twelve just got shot off to the printers yesterday. I'm finishing oh, up man. issue third. I'm finishing issue thirteen. Uh, it's getting colored now, and I'm actually just about. I'm just. I'm about to start drawing issue 14 next week so like it's interesting because now i'm getting to the halfway point of the book which you know farmhand's always been planned as like a 30 issue 30 25 to 30 issue series gotcha Um, okay yeah i think that's that's what you originally i remember you mentioning on twitter at one point or somewhere at one point in time that you expected to go about 30 it might have even been in uh oh shoot i forgot i forgot you even had the fans name the damn segment what's it called uh, oh, the uh, grassroots. Yes, the grassroots. That might have yeah, been. Yeah. I think where you announced it originally that it was planned on going about thirty. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I could, I, I hope that thirty is just the beginning. To be honest, I don't. I mean, I have no idea what you have planned for an ending by any means. But I, I feel like these these characters have enough lovability, and at the same time, the story and its rereadability. Like you know, we were discussing earlier. You're just you're you're the master of that, you know. And I know that I want to go back and read the first ten issues again after reading eleven because I I just know that this answers so much, and it also it expands on this universe so much more, especially with these mud bugs and all this stuff. Man, it's <laughs> I I can't. Uh, I'm so excited for Farmhand, and like I said, it was originally what. What wrote me in, I think after two issues of Farmhand is when I said, okay, I'm buying, I'm buying all of Chew and I'm going to, 
and that was right around the time when I first started this podcast. And yeah, it's <laughs> this has been a big part. Of, she was you have your art has been a major part of this podcast. Probably more segments have been talked about, or your art has been talked about than anybody else on this podcast. So, it's <laughs> well, that's very you know that's high praise. I mean, there's a lot of like really incredible stuff out there. I mean, yeah. and now nowadays especially, I mean. You know, there's there's so much content out there. I mean, it's I mean, even for me, you know, being inside of the industry, like I can't even keep up. So, oh, like, <laughs> I mean, it's... I mean, so, so the fact that you're like, you know, dedicating that much time to my work is uh, is really, really, you know, I appreciate it. Oh, it's well, it's it's well deserved, man. And anybody I turn on to this book, they never say, "What the fuck was this?" <laughs> they're they're always like, "Where do I get more of this?" You know, I. Uh, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I send a lot of people to Mile High Comics and I always make sure there's chew on the shelf. So it's, it's, uh, and Farmhand as well. I mean, what Farmhand, uh, there, you guys, volume one is out in trade at this point, right? Yeah. One and two are both out. Okay. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. One, two just came out not too long ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So let's. Uh, I mean, do you want to get into to to more farmhand now? Because I mean, now that you, we t- we talked about, you know, you you draw and chew, and you know, we we know chew. It, it's it really speaks for itself. You know, it got you multiple Eisners. You know, uh, for what was it? The first one was you know, fr- or new book, and then you got a best ongoing Eisner as well, I believe. Right. Yep. So yep. I mean, yeah, no, it's. Yeah, it speaks for itself. But farmhand, I mean, you you steered off. You say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write my own thing now, and uh, I mean, based off kind of what I've gathered out of the conversation so far, you you have a plot for everything. But so, do you just go in and you just you just start drawing, knowing what's to come, or do you have a uh, you know a really detailed beats lined out for yourself already, or what what's that writing process for you now, or transitioning into writing? What's that process like for you? Well, I, I knew I wanted to do full scripts. I mean, I kind of talked to a lot of, um, you know, friends of mine in the business who were like writer artists, you know, the, the Scotty Youngs and that that kind of guy. Okay. And basically oh, yeah. I just said like, you know, how do you, you know, what what's your process? And it was all over the map. I mean, I had some people who were doing full scripts. I had some people who were, you know, just kind of like drawing whatever they felt like and then kind of filling in dialogue, uh, which I, I knew I, I didn't want to do. And I knew that I couldn't do because, I mean, I think... I think one of my strengths is comedic timing. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that I couldn't pull off the beats unless it was scripted. The, I mean, I, th- I, gotcha. if I impl- and plus on top of that, I wanted to be able to kind of have flex that muscle of, of, you know, writing full scripts as if I was writing for another artist for, you know, for the, for the day that, you know, in case I actually decide I do want to write for another artist. Nice man. Respect. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I thought it, it made sense. So yeah, at this point, I mean, I have, I have my milestones. Like I knew uh, the first five issues, I knew where I wanted to be at the end of the arc in issue five. I knew I wanted where I wanted to be at the end of the arc in ten. I knew definitely where I wanted to be at the halfway point in issue fifteen, and I, I have my ending. But I don't map out every single issue. Okay. Uh, the way the way I kind of work is, I kind of look at every arc in in really broad terms, like I knew issue one, uh, the first arc was going to be kind of like this arc where obviously there's the intro and I, you know, coming from Chu, I knew that there were, there were fans that would be coming from that book that kind of had one expectation of what I did. You know, they, they kind of knew me as a guy who like, you know, did goofy, funny, you know, wacky kind of stuff with a little tinge of darkness to it. And I wanted to start transitioning people from that 
into something way darker uh, mm-hmm. because I mean there, there was an aspect of my art that I don't feel like I really got to tap into as much as I would have liked on Shu. Um, and maybe Shu just wasn't the right book for it, but I, it, there wasn't, I mean, there were gross things that happened and there were violent things that happened, but there was never really like that really hard suspenseful, like horror thing that I really kind of like. Uh, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Stephen King mm-hmm. and, and that, that kind of storytelling, you know, the, the twilight zones and that's, that sort of thing. And I just wanted to transition people from what they knew me from into something else. So I knew the first arc was going to be that, you know, I would set it up in such a way where, you know, if you read the first five issues, you know, the first few issues are lighter. You know, there's some dark moments in it, but for the most part, it's kind of like what you knew me, uh, what you knew me as before. And then there's there's and I knew there was going to be a switch that happened and it it was going to start in issue four. And then I knew issue five was going to be really it was going to like be really dark. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I knew that I knew I was going to end the arc with a big swerve and it was going to lead into a, an entirely darker book. And I've kind of done that every arc so far. Um, so yeah, I kind of look at it and, in, in, in really, I kind of feel every arc out in rhythms. Um, like I know where Zeke, the main character needs to be emotionally in every arc. And where uh-huh. the other where the other characters need to be emotionally, and I kind of write around that. Um, so there's a plan, but at the same time, much like Chu, you know, we have milestones, but we keep it wide open enough to where you know we can improvise, or I can if I have you know a random crazy idea that I really like that I can incorporate it and it would fit. So it's it's a, it's again it's a really interesting tightrope walk. Nice. Well, uh, well, I <laughs> wow, man, you you. That's um, I'm I'm blown away because it's, it's it's just so crispy that you know you would think that everything is completely 100% mapped out to a T going into it. It's so I'm 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 impressed. I'm impressed. And this isn't. I mean, this is really your first time actually being published as a uh, you know getting a writer credit, right? You know, as far as you know being in the comic book industry. And so yeah. wow, yeah. wow, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm really digging where this story is going. I mean, we could we could I mean I have been covering this book long enough. There's there's a few spoilers and stuff we could drop, but I definitely don't want to you know ruin anything by any means. So I mean, but I do kind of I'm I'm seeing uh, when I, this this expanded this you know this universe being expanded the years and one thing that we didn't really get to see in Chu, uh, you know, besides obviously the the more darker things that you're you're talking about flexing, which <laughs> I'm so excited about. I'm always so thrilled about man that's definitely the stuff that draws me into comics but these creatures now i mean this is you know uh, uh oh, these mud bugs man it's i mean just the, the <laughs> these crawdads it's so oh man um is this something that we could expect more of you think as far as not just the the, the you know the the crawdads itself but are we going to see more uh you know this universe expand i mean to where we get to see you really flex your uh real imagination as far as you know how how, how you're going to haunt us on these pages yeah yeah i mean the first half of the book i always kind of planned is um you know just really slowly unveiling things like and there's a lot of again like i said like that first arc especially was just planting a whole lot of seeds like you know pardon the pun but like (laughs) it was just it was laying it was laying on this groundwork and giving hints of things that were going to come later. So, like, if you look at the first few first few issues, 
you know, there's a lot of instances of things, uh, you know, monsters and, you know, infected, uh, you know, creatures in the woods and that sort of thing. There's a lot of like, the, you know, the seeds effect on the local ecosystem. And that continues. That's a big part of the third arc. Um, but on top of that, you know, we've been I've been slowly kind of showing, uh, you know, how it's affecting the people, you know, the transplants. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's there's some stuff coming, especially issue 13 through 15 uh, through the, the halfway point of the series that really kind of amps things up. And, and uh, if you remember in issue eight, which was the uh, the issue with the uh, the guy with the flower the flower eyes on the cover. Yes. Oh yeah, man. A damn near yeah. takes out old Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Like this guy was kind of like the foreshadowing of like where the books, the, tonally where the books going. Because I knew oh, it, I didn't. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I I remember letting out an audible grunt when that <laughs> when, when you know, like I was I was pretty stoked because at that point I realized like oh shit this is going this is so much more than I thought it was already so it's yeah no yeah, that was definitely a turning point in the book for me as well or it, yeah good yeah I mean I wanted to be a thing where like you know we've invested so much in the characters that you know when things happen when violence happens or death happens it's really significant it's really meaningful and you know it's been very you know it's been very deliberate how i've been kind of pacing it out so like yeah there's a lot more coming in terms of you know the the next step in in sort of the evolution of these plant people because i mean there's there's things that again i've been really kind of planting the seeds for in terms of the 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 Mayor Thorne storyline and what's up with her and her background with Jedediah and the found, the founding of the farm and the creation of the seed. I mean, well, and you know, now we've, we've got, you know, new uh, family members, you know, being you know, more directed towards, you know, we got an older, you know, the an older generation with the, the grandma. And then now yep. it looks like a brother that's getting yeah. ready to come into this. So yeah, there's, there's a lot there. I mean, there's, 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 that's, I mean, issue 11 really was the hardest issue I've ever written of the book so far. I mean, it was, and I knew, I knew that there was more to the story that I wasn't going to get to in the first 10 issues. Like, I know I wanted to get into the backstory of who the Jenkins family are, um, you know, and where Freetown came from. Um, and I just, I just, I, I, you know, I wrote different versions of the first issue. Okay. And the very first version of it pretty much laid it all out in the first issue. Um, you know, the, the history of the town, uh, the history of like the racial violence and like this kind of demonic aspect behind it all. You know, that stuff was all in issue one <laughs> initially. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was enough to rope me in, that's for sure. I mean, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, pacing wise, you know, I just decided, you know what, like, I think I'm going to put that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to put that on the back burner and just unveil it at the right time. So that's kind of what I ended up doing. Okay. Or like in the, the first 10 issues are just, you know, kind of putting the reader right in the middle of it, kind of, kind of experiencing it with the family. And then issue 11 kind of dials it back and gives you, you know, a peek behind the veil, so to speak. Um, and yeah, there's more of that kind of thing coming, but yeah, the third arc in general, I'm really, really, really proud of, you know, it, it finally kind of, unveils the things the big things the big secret behind the entire story of the jenkins family and why this is happening you know and what happened with with you know zeke's mom what happened with monica thorne 
you know, that finally gets revealed this arc. And I think it's, I think it's one, I think it is the most powerful thing about the story. <laughs> like, is that center point of the story? I think it's going to be really, really, uh, really profound. I'm excited well, about it. Well, that definitely has me excited because if that's only the halfway point, then I mean, knowing what you're capable of doing already, I, I can only imagine what the, the backside of this story ends up doing. I'm, <laughs> Oh man, you have me so excited right now. I, I oh, farmhand is, this is this is amazing, man, and it's so good. In fact, that there is a, uh, I mean, it's you guys are working on a pilot right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we, um, yeah, we actually, you know, I announced it back. I announced the, the comic back in February of 2018. So like, immediately there was interest. Um, so we started kind of like shopping it around and. Ended up at AMC, which was uh, <laughs> kind of a kind of a, a crazy surprise. Um, you know, I you know it's funny. Like with Chew, Chew had been optioned. It's been optioned a handful of times at this point, um, and it's been, you know, it, it's been a rocky situation with Chew. I mean, we've John and I have kind of like learned a lot about kind of you know dealing with Hollywood and what you know what to do and what not to do. Well, how um, much money do you guys need? I'm gonna write you guys a check right now. Let's <laughs> make that happen. <laughs> well, I mean, the hard part about you was really like finding the right creative voice to to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you know, there have been a handful of scripts written, pilot scripts for live action of Chew that no one will ever read, and only you know, and some of them are actually pretty good. But you know, what was so frustrating about it was you know we were hiring these people to write our scripts. When really, like, you know, John or I could could probably do a better job of, like, actually writing it. Because we actually, I mean, who knows it better than we do? Exactly. Uh, so with Farmhand, I kind of, like, you know, I just decided, you know, screw this. Like, I'm, I, you know, if this, if there's anyone who's actually interested in adapting this, you know, that's great. But, you know, I am coming with it. <laughs> like, you know, I am part you. of the deal. And, like, I actually want to, like, guide this. Because I'm really, like, I'm really... um protective over it i'm very very attached to it it's very personal and you know amc was really into that and i was it, it was interesting like because when we actually did the phone calls you know my my manager at the time had kept telling me like yeah they're really into it amc's really really into it but the more you kind of like you know hang around hollywood the, the more you see that you know they're always really positive like they're really like really really uh -huh. like positive about everything even when like things aren't actually as positive as as they say, mm -hmm. like everything's always sunshine. So like yes. I kind of was cynical and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't they're not that they don't like it that much. But then I actually like talked to AMC and they were really excited about it. They're like <laughs> they're like they're like, hey, no, we like we really like this. This is like really really a lot of fun and we can't wait to do this. Well, so, and like, you know that they have deep pockets too, and this is a book that deserves, you know, and it's it's in the manner that it's drawn, you know, it's going to need a, a few bucks thrown into it, I would imagine, to do it proper. So I, it's 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 awesome that if any if any of those uh, programs are going to pick or uh, networks are going to pick it up, I think AM I couldn't be happier. It's AMC because even if yeah. Sci-Fi were to do it, I think that there just wouldn't be as much love thrown into the you know what the network would be able to you know, willing to throw into it just because they're not as big as amc i mean the walking yeah. dead has done a wonder for them and so i mean i don't want to name drop the walking dead but i can see this on right now uh, right after the you know uh, stay tuned after the walking dead 
farm hand. <laughs> well, just... I mean, well, well, AMC. I mean, the beautiful thing about them is they, and you can you can tell it. You can kind of see this just by looking at the shows they've made. You know, when you look at shows like The Walking Dead or like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or Mad Men, you see that like there's a there's a deliberate vision like being enacted, and it's like it's the creator's vision. Like they, they actually like yes. really in, they invest in like in their in their creators and let them, you know they they they're focused on telling the story as best the the best way possible. And I really and, do feel like they appreciate the art that goes into it. It's not so much about what we can get out of that as far as you know money wise. That yeah, it's not, yeah, eventually they're gonna you know Walking Dead stuff like that. You know it gets kind of. Uh, let's make as much money off of this as we can, but you could still tell that they they appreciate the art that these these creators put into it, and they let them have that 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 type of freedom. The same thing with everything else beyond just The Walking Dead, all that stuff. So th- that's right. what makes me excited that you know I know that this is going to be a a gallery production, man. This is <laughs> yeah, and I mean I mean it's that's been the the biggest uh, the most exciting part of it was just they're so passionate about giving me the space to really explore this and, and put my voice into it. And like my showrunner, my showrunner is phenomenal. I'm teamed up with a, a writer named a writer, executive producer named Latoya Morgan, uh, who's very, uh, she's been around the block. She's written for shameless for the walking dead. Mm -hmm. Um, she's, uh, for, um, into the badlands. Um, she's phenomenal. She's really passionate about this and she's actually, she's really, she's a really big shoe fan. Um, <laughs> kind of like that's that's actually how we met. You know, I was kind of uh, when we were doing the interviews with just uh, you know different Hollywood folks. You know, before AMC ever even came into the picture, you know, I you know I'm new to this whole screenwriting thing. You know, I can write comic book scripts, but screenplays are a bit of a different different beast. So you know, the plan was to team me up with kind of an an elder writer, kind of an Obi Wan, uh, to wow. kind of show me the show me the ropes. So Latoya was one of the first people I interviewed and, you know, I introduced myself because I assume no one knows who I am, especially in Hollywood. And I was just like, hey, you know, I did this book called Chew and she's like, oh, no, I know who you are. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of you. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap. Like, really? And we hit it off and it's just a great talk. And, you know, we got off the phone and I didn't hear from her for like, you know, I think three to six months or something. Mm. And the next thing you know, like AMC pops up. And I find out that Latoya has been behind the scenes talking to AMC and just talking up Farmhand. Like, you guys need to, like, read Farmhand. You guys need to read Farmhand. How many issues so, like, are out at this point? I think it was the first six or okay. so. Definitely um, enough to rope anybody in, that's for sure. Right, right. So, like, so Latoya has been a huge part of this. She's been phenomenal to work with. It's, it's. Uh, you know, I'm I'm writing the script solo, and she's my showrunner. She's overseeing me, and she's kind of showing me the ropes in terms of, you know, how Hollywood works and and what the network is looking for and what they're not looking for. At the same time, like, you know, my vision is a central thing to this, and she's been an amazing part of this whole process. That's so awesome. I, I'm I'm over the moon about this. I, as soon as it was announced, I mean, for one, I wasn't surprised because I knew it was, I mean, it's obviously deserving of it, but uh, to see that it was announced through AMC and then knowing, you know, like all the things that we just discussed, you know, moments ago, it's, there's, there's all, all signs point to just absolute success of this. And I mean, <laughs> I tell you what, as soon as that pilot airs, this, this book is, I, I mean, it, it's, 
going to be trades printed in the 11th, 12th printing. It, it, it's going to fly off. I mean, the, it's. It, I'm surprised it's not that far down the road already. Well, I know it's still early, but... Well, I, you know, I mean, the one thing I learned on Chew, you know, after all of it's like, you know, false starts and whatnot, is like, you know, you, you, you can't count your chickens before they're, they're hatched. So like, so like for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the whole thing. Like, I'm really excited about it, no matter what. This is this has done more than I really expected it to do. I'm very I'm like I'm super proud of what I've done with the book. I'm excited about what's coming, you know, in the future and just the opportunity to kind of dabble in this new medium uh, that I never really I never considered like writing screenplays. This was wasn't what I set out to do. I just set out to draw like you know cybernetic chickens and like that kind of thing. Like, that, <laughs> oh, that's pretty much what I life, man. <laughs> right, right. This is, this is that's what I got into comics to do. So like. You know, to get to do this, you know, at, at such, you know, with with creative partners at AMC that like, I mean, it's AMC. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not right. they're not exactly someone I, I expected to be working with. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of an, an amazing experience. So like, but yeah, I mean, it really it, it hinges on the pilot script. You know, if if I can produce a pilot script that they're really passionate about, then it goes forward. You know, so we'll see what happens. I'm just putting all of my effort into this this pilot script. So fingers crossed. All right. So that's that was my next question: is how far into production are we? We've got a pilot. So the pilot script is still in development at this point. So you guys aren't haven't thought about, or I'm sure you've thought about casting, but have you got that far down the road yet? No, not at all. I mean, I I have no idea how long this could take. You know, we've had that conversation, but really, it it depends on how long it takes to get the script right. And okay. you know that. We'll see. You know, the last I was I was told by the network is that it, it's in good shape. So, <laughs> so <laughs> right we'll on. see what happens from there. We're kind of yeah. going back and forth on notes, and uh, you know, fingers crossed. Um, fantasy casting. Uh, who's Zeke? Oh God, who's Zeke? I I have no idea. I mean, I I would assume it's probably going to be an unknown guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I I mean, there's a few guys I really like. Like I really like. You know, Donald Glover was kind of an, an influence. Dude, just, oh my God, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, kind of where I was going with that. I could totally see him being a Zeke for sure. Oh God, yeah. I mean, well, it's funny. Like, I've I've joked about this, but like, you know, when I, whenever I was coming up with a look for Zeke, you know, I, you know, usually what happens is whenever I'm designing a character, I'll either have a specific person in mind in terms of like, of like an actor or something, or I'll just go to Google and just start looking at images. And with with him, I just I knew his character type and I just kind of typed in a Google like, you know, I just typed in moody black guys and all uh -huh. these pictures of Donald Glover came up and, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, perfect. Like he's he would be a great he could be really good at this character. He, so well, like, he's incredibly talented, but he just I feel like it's just a part that would just oh, it would do him so well. It, it really would. I. Uh, it's perfect. I don't know. I, we make that happen. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like, I mean, I have dumb, like crazy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally a fanboy about this stuff. Like there's, uh, you know, there's, there's some fan casting I would love for like Jedediah in particular. Like, I think, I think if we do get that far and we do make it to casting, I do think that is the role that's going to be everything. Um, so like, there's a few guys I really like, um, and honestly, the guy who I thought could have been kind of interesting as uh, as uh, as Jedediah was—he actually just died like last week. 
Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, my Wither- God, Wither- he would have been the best. Yeah, I think his name is just John Witherspoon, or is it Clarence John Witherspoon? With- uh, John Witherspoon. Clarence Witherspoon right. was a basketball player. I think. Okay, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know everything he's been in. He's awesome, and but he's always been like a funny guy. And oh, he's never. Man. I've never really seen him as just like kind of like the dark grandpa. Um, so like I actually, he was kind of my guy for a bit. Dude, that would have got him an, uh, a nod or, you know, an Academy nod for sure. Playing a part like that with his background, he could totally pull it off. See, wow, what a, what a great yeah. fantasy yeah, cast. Yeah, but other than that, other than him, I mean, there's a, I don't know, there's a few other guys that I'm, I'm like, too afraid to name. But uh, Oh, I understand, I, I understand. They're, too, they're, like, they're, like, too big. <laughs> but, like, you know, I have moments where I'm just like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we got Denzel Washington? Like, we'll never get Denzel Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, dude, I don't know, man, because here's the deal, is I know the AMC is getting ready to do their own streaming service thing, and all of these actors are going, you know, like, perfectly fine with doing TV shows now. Why the yeah. hell? I mean, anything's possible. And I think if Denzel got a hold of this book, and if he hasn't already... I mean, I don't understand it, how anybody could dislike this for one. I don't know. It's it's just it's so unique in itself. It's it, I mean, on so many levels. So I mean, uh, ha, Denzel would be another great fan cat. And I mean, shit, we haven't heard from him in a while, and that's kind of seems to be the thing. You haven't heard from him in a while, then bam, they're on some streaming service show. Well, so you know, and of course, like you know, Jeffrey Jeffrey Wright would be amazing. Um, oh. And uh, you know who I, I who I actually and this is just me completely like you know this is me just fanboying like crazy. Um, I'm fanboying would, with you right now, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for, uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh shit, Eddie Murphy. I mean, he's he's older than he looks. He's freaking Eddie Murphy, and like, and I love Eddie Murphy. So there's a part of me that's just like, let's just like let's put some gray hair on this guy and like really let him like be a cra- be be this creepy old grandpa. Oh man, yeah, no, brilliant. I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and, and that's you know when I when I allow my, allow myself to like really like dream crazy dreams. That's what I think about. That's oh, uh, that's awesome, man. That's uh, yeah. I know. That, like I said, I've gone on and on about how amazing Farmhand is, and you know I, about you know now we got a little bit of an insight as far as the you know where the production's at on this this pilot, which I know I have all the faith in the world that it is just going to explode, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, shoot, uh, what, is there anything else that you want to talk about Farmhand that you don't really want to give away quite yet? Or I mean, yeah, I, I know we're kind of tiptoeing around some stuff for sure, but it's also been very insightful. That's for damn sure. Uh, I know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just really, really pleased with the whole thing. I mean, it's been, it's been easily the hardest thing I've ever made. I mean, I think Chew, Chew was just a lot of fun. I mean, I think Chew, looking back at Chew, you know, I, uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't writing it so that was that was one thing that was a lot easier. But, uh, you know, it was also just a really a way lighter, less personal story for me. I mean, it, it was a lot easier to kind of for some reason, it's a lot easier to draw comics about, uh, you know, cybernetic killer roosters <laughs> than, than, than it is to, like, you know, write this story that's like really personal. That's about, you know, things I really care about, you know, that are reflections of like you know, parenting and being a son and being a father and like, 
you know, dealing with generational, you know, issues and that sort of thing. Like, well, and the setting know. is down in your neck of the woods too. So, I mean, you could tell it is very personal. Because I mean, you're 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 still down in Louisiana. Are you or are you in L.A. right now writing scripts? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm born and raised in Louisiana. Yeah, it's, right on, man. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it down here. I mean, this I, is well, all... the. The book definitely has that Cajun type of feel to it. That's for sure. Like you could, you could tell that wh- whoever's writing this book knows knows where the Jenkins family's from. That's that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So it, yes. Oh man. Well, you, you could tell it's this book is it, is so much more personal compared to Chew, and that takes nothing away from Chew at all. You, just like you said, I, I fully agree with you. Chew was just a whole lot of fucking fun, man. And this is just, oh, um, it's a ride. This is a ride in its own. And this is a ride in reverse from Chew almost. But uh, the, I, 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 got this, I got this question. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, uh, I've been, it's been brewing with me for, for some time now. Speaking of Chew, I, I do follow Layman quite a bit. And he's been very uh, cryptic about Chew continuing on. Is this something that, I mean, Chew doesn't go on without Guillory, does it? <laughs> yeah uh we'll see you know i mean i think okay i think that it could continue without me i just think it would be a different thing you know no. I, th- I think i th- <laughs> <laughs> see i'm flattered by that i'm flattered but no, i i think i think it could continue without me i think it would have to be a very different book but i do think i will say that you know i i would i can't imagine never drawing you again Okay. You know, I mean, it's it's something that I spent, you know, the the first eight years of my career on. You know, I love it. You know, I put a lot into the characters and, and building that world. And John, I mean, John's just a great partner. You know, I really like, I really respect everything he does. I think he's a, you know, he he's a big part. I mean, I love the guy. I mean, he he's 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 a big part of like my career and he'll always be a big part of my career. So like, I can't picture never going back to that world. It's just a matter of, it's a matter of finding the right time in the right story to do it. Um, Gotcha. Because that's, that's kind of, I mean, I know that you're right in the meat of your own thing right now. And just the thought of you, I mean, he's flat out said shoot 2020. So (laughs) (laughs) I I I wasn't, I wasn't aware. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I the, 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 I feel like the tweets get taken down not long after, but it, I follow him very closely because I'm I'm a super fan. I I, I am. Uh, I mean, I love Outer Darkness, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm still... really I'm really happy with like what he's doing with Outer Darkness because like we when he originally showed it to me, like we went back and forth, and he was like, "What do you think?" And I was like, well, "What are you picturing art style wise?" And he's like, oh, like he was actually picturing something very different than what he has now. Like he was going to do like almost photorealistic kind of hyper detail. And I was like, no, don't do that. Like, no, like this is this feels more like kind of off car- Chan. Kind of, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it feels like that. Like I honestly like there was a part of me because I was so freaked out at the prospect of breaking out of my own and doing farmhand, you know, and we John and I had such a good thing going. That there was a part of me that wanted to draw outer darkness, like there's a part of me that was like, nah, let's just keep this thing going. Uh, but you know, I was so far in a farmhand, and farmhand was was the project I needed to be doing. You know, that like I just told him, like I think you need a guy who's more like cartoony, quote unquote. You know, who can mm-hmm. really like make these characters iconic. And I think Afu Chan is like phenomenal. I mean, yeah. he's a beast. The only other artist at this point, after reading Outer Darkness, I could 
think that could, you know, really follow that same tone would maybe be Erica Henderson. You know, oh yeah, yeah. She she's the only other person that I think could come close, but still I don't know if it would just Afu Chan has developed these characters in a way to where, you know, just just like you did with you do with all of your characters, you only have to see them once to know who they are because they're so memorable. And then, you know, uh, I mean, you as a writer as well, you write the dialogue to where, you know, you don't sometimes you don't even have to know who's talking to know who's talking, if that makes sense. And if Afu Chan does the has the same ability with John Lehman on Outer Darkness is you just know the way people talk. And but at the same time. I mean, instantly, you know Ogway and you know Riggs. You never have this Satalis. They're they're all immediately recognizable going into issue two. There's no having to go back and recollect. And it's I don't know if it's just something that uh, Layman brings out in his artist or what. But the uh, it, all of that stuff, it's just, it works so well with him. Yeah, I think he's really really good. I mean, just you know, after working with him so long, like I think he. I don't know, like, he just writes really colorful characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, maybe I'm biased, but I can't read a John Lehman script and not picture it in that kind of, like, I picture these guys as car- as, car- as cartoons, like, no matter what he's writing. And, you know, even when he was, he was writing Batman, you know, I, I always pictured it a bit, you know, I, I pictured his stuff as more like uh, Batman, the animated series kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he just is really his stuff just bounces off the page. I mean, he's just, his characters breathe. He's really, yeah. really good. I, I couldn't see a John Byrne doing a, a layman type of story. It just, I don't, I don't think it would work right. <laughs> you no, know, no. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. So he definitely has a, a, a flair as far as, you know, the, 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 the right artist to attract and make sure that his, his stuff does well. That's, that's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, he's. I've I've learned a lot from him. I mean, just, you know, I mean, he. It, it's you just. I've always been a guy that just has learned through you know absorption. You know, I I learned from actually like diving into the work, whether whether it's you know reading the comics. I I feel like I learned most of what I know about storytelling just through reading comics for like my entire life, um, and I think in terms of writing, it's been sort of the same way. Like the more I've gotten into, you know, absorbing things from, from other writers who are a lot better than I am. Um, and, and just, you know, learning, reading, you know, 60 something issues of John, of John Lehman, John Lehman scripts. Like, you know, it's hard to not like observe and see, okay, how's he pacing this? Why'd he move this scene here instead of here? And like, you know, I just, I learned a lot about his process just over the you know eight years of working together, and uh, you know it's been really helpful in uh, in kind of branching out as, as a writer myself. Well, uh, man, it, 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 you could definitely tell that you didn't take your uh, your your time with Layman lightly. That's for sure. <laughs> it's because Farmhand, it, it, it's it speaks for itself, man. It speaks for itself. It's it's and it, like, I'm gonna keep saying it. If you haven't read it, you, you guys, you listeners, got to go out and pick this up. There's no excuse not to. The trades are out there. The, the comic shops could still order them at this point. Let's send this baby into a second printing, and it's just going to keep going, man. <laughs> uh, so you said that you know you have acknowledged that you are still reading at least Outer Darkness. I mean, for I mean, being a fan myself, kind of, is there anything current that you're you're on right now? I know that you're a busy, busy guy, and I can't imagine you have a whole lot of time to to do current reading. But is there anything that you know you want to acknowledge out there that that, that kind of has you roped in? Oh God, I'm behind on everything. Um, yeah. No, I have a giant. 
I have an entire shelf in my office that's just books I've been accumulating for the last like ten years. It feels like. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, the more you travel, you go to conventions, and people just give you things. Oh, so sure. I just have a lot of stuff. Um. The the last book I really kept up with on a pretty much monthly basis was uh Paper Girls, uh by right Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my favorite book. Uh, other than that, Southern Bastards was another one. Okay. Uh, what else? I'm way behind on Walking on The Walking Dead. I know it finished. Well, yeah, uh, you've got but, time to catch up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm way I I I'm way behind on that one. Yeah. Uh, Man, I'm super behind, but I have I have tons of trades I haven't read yet. I have, like I have, but uh, like I'm getting Bitterroot. I haven't read it yet. I know Bitter it's phenomenal. Root, man. That's oh yeah. my god. I I can't yeah. recommend it enough. I really can't. I, I'm actually having. Oh, I guess I'm spoiling this. I'm having Chuck on the show next week. Oh and man, I'm, I'm I'm over the moon about it. It's wow. uh, oh, oh uh, Bitterroot is. It's amazing. I, it's well, I'm not lying when I say f- uh, next to Farmhand Bitterroot is my next most recommended book, and the only reason why Bitterroot is second is because it it's it just hits a hard hard note that I don't think everybody could handle. So it's okay. it, it's yeah, it's deep, man. I love it. Yeah, well, that's on my list. Uh, God, what else? Oh man, what's uh, Scott Snyder's new book? It's, uh, oh, undiscovered country. Yeah, yeah, Woo! yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's on that's on my list. Um, yes, there's just a lot. Most of what I'm I'm getting is image. Um, gotcha. I mean, other, but I actually just got turned on to uh, TKO Studios. Um, okay. Like I just got a big box of books from those guys that look phenomenal, and I'm gonna sift through all that stuff. There's just, I mean, I I don't ever remember a time where there was this much this much high quality content coming out. It's, you know, simultaneously. It's so much that I had to start a fucking podcast, man. Like, that's what it is. I don't think, I know that not everybody can catch up to it. I decided I'm going to be the guy that dedicates my life to making sure that uh, I'm able to get as much of this stuff out there as possible because there is an abundance of it. And yes, no, I, I feel you. It's it's hard. I don't see how anybody could keep up with all this. I can't keep up with all this. This is my damn job at this point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so not not so much from the the big two. I mean, uh, if you're an indie creator. I would imagine that's kind of what you want to stick with in the big two. Or it's it's uh, it's really hard to keep up with all that. But yeah, I actually I kept up. Well, I read the first trades of uh sort of the the rebirth stuff. Okay. Like I like I read, I read the the new Superman stuff, at least the first trade of it, and I actually really enjoyed it. And it was. I, I do new, like. You mean Bendis's Superman right now? No, 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 no. This was oh, uh, oh, the the first rebirth Superman. Yeah, yeah. This okay, is a, gotcha. like su- Superman and Son. Okay, gotcha. Um, like that stuff was phenomenal. Um, and I actually, I mean, I again, I was a big two guy. Like Death of Superman, Return of Superman, all that stuff. Nightfall, Night Quests, you know, all that stuff. Night's End. You know, that was my stuff. That was my jam. Like, that was when I was first, like, buying comics uh, on my own. That That's what I was buying. So, like, you know, I hadn't read Superman since those years. It's been forever. So, gotcha. uh, you know, picking that stuff up, the, 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 the other, you know, the older Rebirth stuff. Uh, you know, I guess it was Lois and Clark. Um, I guess it was Superman, Superman and Son, something like that. All that stuff I really, really enjoyed. Right on. Well, uh, I, I, it's, like I said, it's hard to keep up. But all those stories, like a good portion of those stories, the, the, the Nightfall and the, the Death of Superman, those were all just redone in these uh, oversized 
um, one shots called Tales from the Dark Multiverse, where they put these twists on it. So in uh, the death of Superman, it's Lois Lane getting, you know, she somehow gets Superman's powers and she goes through and she's pissed off that, you know, Superman died and she's punishing everyone that allowed it. And, you know, it's Tales from the Dark Multiverse and Nightfall's super twisted. So, yeah, they're just little one shots. So being that you personally said those stories, I'm going to have to recommend those. I'd I'd pick those up. Yeah, because it's no investment at all. It just what if type of situations and they are dark man they're fun snyder well, wrote the nightfall one so you know it's gonna oh, be wow. super good yeah i'm actually curious i mean I, again i'm i haven't been keeping up with it i've been you know occasionally i'll see something online that kind of piques my interest but the uh doomsday clock stuff looks kind of interesting oh yeah man i'm waiting for that 12th issue so i could binge on that um and i'm glad because i would have forgot about it all because it's like six months behind schedule <laughs> but um yeah, yeah no it's uh it should be it should be done by the end of the year or, yeah by the end of the year and then it's it's gonna set up this whole event apparently in the DC universe. So I'm very very excited about that. I I can't I'm I'm never disappointed by Jeff Johns. So yeah yeah, and I mean I'm not you know I'm not a huge like I didn't read the uh, the last round of Watchmen like whatever that was. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't I don't think anybody did. Yeah, I, I didn't read it. Uh, but there's just something about this that actually does kind of pique my interest. Like I know like I know Alan Moore's like not into this at all. Well, <laughs> like, I totally I respect that, but there's just something about it that I probably eventually will check out and you know, I'm I'm curious. Right on, man. Right on. I don't, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's I mean, with this type of that's it's a big book as far as the DC universe and the magnitude of it all. So I I think really if you want to have any idea what's going on in DC from here on out, you're gonna might have to. They might be one of those types of situations. But it's still interesting regardless. It's not just a, a gun to the head type of situation. It still does look entertaining, no doubt. Cool. But uh all right, well cool, man. Um I think it's. I know it's getting late down there in Louisiana, and I know that you you've got a family and stuff to do. I, this was this was incredibly eye opening. We got a little bit on the you know maybe a possible hint at the future of Chew. Definitely some farmhand insight for sure. Which once again can't recommend enough. Go out, put this on your pull list, listeners. Um, we got new, you know, the, 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 you know, where we are as far as the production of AMC's next biggest hit TV show. <laughs> uh, I think, I think the listeners got a lot out of this, Rob. I thank you so much for taking the time. Um, is there anything else that, I mean, I'm sure you've got stuff to plug. I mean, I could ask, I can go on and on. I could ask you about what's to come, but I think I'm just going to focus on the fact that, farmhand is in my life right now and i'm okay with that normally i say what's next after farmhand right now i'm perfectly fine with just farmhand (laughs) i'll leave that at that thank you man yeah yeah i mean that's really the thing i i really want people to check out i mean i think it's uh you know the, the the audience is very very loyal it's done the book's done well but i think there's a whole lot of people that haven't read it yet and uh you know i think you know it's a very it's a very unique book and i think I, don't, I just don't think there's anything else quite like it. And I, I think the, you know, the first two trades are out. So give it a try. And it is a finite story. Uh, it is going somewhere. Uh, you know, beyond that, you know, I can't say what comes after that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that, that tend, I'm glad you're not asking the what's next question. Because people, it was a, it's the weirdest uh, thing. Like after we released shoe number one, I actually had people coming up to me saying, so what are you doing next? It's like, I just started shoe. Right. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing next. 
Um, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat with this, like farmhand. I know I'll be working on until, you know, probably 2021. Uh, so yeah, beyond that, we'll, we'll cross that when we get to it. Yeah, we know you're going to kill whatever comes next. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like I said, I am content. I am. And I could say that as a comic book fan. I'm a comic book fan that is content. Well, I'm a rare breed right now. <laughs> uh, this is, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And um, I'm so, so happy that you, you, you took the time to come on this podcast and give give this insight and you know let let people know what this book means to you you know i can go on and on about you know how i feel about the book and but to hear it come from come from your mouth i think just means so much more and i i I appreciate it i i do i i'm thank you (laughs) no thanks for uh for having me on and thanks for you know supporting chew and supporting farmhand i mean it's you know i occasionally i would see on my uh like I think you would tag me on Instagram or something, and I was like, "What is what is he doing? Like he's going yep. through every volume of Chew. Like who yep. does that?" Yeah, well, I I just <laughs> I, I know that it's it's something. I, you know, so here's uh, I went through, and I thought originally, well, originally uh, when someone said you got to read Chew, I thought, well, I'm gonna get on a YouTube video and maybe Comics Explained will give me a quick five minute rundown. Like, well, mm-hmm. shit, even Comics Explained doesn't even have anything out there, and I was like. I'm going to be the guy that explains Chew to people. <laughs> and, and that's, and ever since then, you know, I, I still got two more volumes. I'm not done. You know, I, honestly, if you weren't on the podcast this week, I would be doing volume 11 of Chew. <laughs> oh, wow. So you yeah. haven't read, you haven't read the end of Chew yet? No, I haven't got there yet. I, I'm reading it along with the fans. So it's, I don't want to think of it as a reaction video by any means. Oh, but <laughs> wow. Okay. No, because I don't yeah. shoot video. I don't shoot video. So it's not okay. a reaction type of situation. But yeah, okay. no, it's, it's, yeah. I'm, I, I, I like to express my, uh, my joy is as raw as possible. So cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, hopefully you, uh, you still respect me after you read the ending of Chew. There's nothing you could do, man. There's <laughs> nothing you could do. I mean, uh, I've already, you know, done this trade negotiation. So, I mean, the fact that Pollo's dead is enough for me to go. There's nothing. <laughs> I'm, uh, there, nothing is off limits. I mean, yeah. uh, you you could Thanos snap and say, you know, hundred percent of the two universes turned to dust, and I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking fine with that <laughs> because it was done. And I mean, I know it's going to be good. It's not going to yeah. be some cheesy, oh shit, we painted ourselves into a corner, time travel type of situation. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, and then what's what's crazy? I mean, and people people are always kind of astounded by it. They're like, was this the plan all all along? Like this was always the plan. Like John John told me the the ending to Chew when I first met him. Before I had even actually signed on, he kind of like told me the the ending. I was like, I don't think you were supposed to tell me the ending. I haven't signed <laughs> on yet. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, like we were really. I actually just reread. I haven't, you know. Occasionally, I, you know, I have all the the, the chew trades on my bookshelf, and occasionally I'll kind of whip one off and, you know, flip through it. And you know, I actually reread the first uh, or the last issue recently, yeah. and it it held together really really well. I mean, it's it's very it's a ve- it's a departure, but it's a very natural progression for the story. So I'm I'm actually really happy with it. Right on, right on. I, I well, I I know that I'm not going to be disappointed. Like I said, I, this is it, it's one of my favorite things ever in comics. And you know, like we've we've said, you know, in other conversations, you know, I I read a lot of stuff, man. I, I love all of this stuff, and uh, the chew is just something that sticks with me. I I I, I take 
all these notes and it, it it's just it, it resonates with me so much and <laughs> i uh, i know that there's there's no letting me down don't worry about that man i'm still gonna be a super fan <laughs> cool I, I appreciate it uh, and you're gonna continue to be tagged for at least uh two more volumes that's for sure hopefully you know when chew comes back you'll 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 see uh <laughs> i'll be tagging you and that stuff too but that's that's wishful thinking for now yeah so we gotta focus on focus on farmham mm-hmm but uh, all right, Rob, thanks so much, man. I've kept you on. Uh, we've got issue 12 coming out. Uh, what day uh, now? This, this December 18th. December 18th, right on. So we've got mm-hmm. time to digest 11. And there's a lot to digest, too. So I think it's it's fitting. We get, well, well it's, I know it would be about four weeks out, almost exactly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing, no extended break or anything like that. Right on schedule, man. Yep. Oh, so excited. Well, it's it's been a pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And uh, if there's ever anything at all that you want to talk about, want to plug on this show, this th- there's always an open mic for you here, man. You're, you're welcome on the Cheers to Comics podcast anytime, brother. Awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, again, thanks uh, for the support. And uh, yeah, well, this is a lot of fun. We'll do this again. Definitely. Well, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, slurds, I don't even know what to say after that. I, <laughs> um, after all those words, I'm speechless. Rob Giller really is a uh, a hero of mine, somebody I look up to, and I'm not lying when I say this is somebody that, you know, this is kind of a long-term goal, so I'm very, very pleased that this went down. Uh, he's just the nicest guy. <laughs> the, the, the nicest guy. Um, what did we learn? Well, we learned the we learned the progress of the AMC Farmhand show. We learned who Guillory would want to play in a fantasy land, which I still think is entirely possible because AMC got that money and TV doing for actors ain't nearly as shameful as it used to be, especially when you get into that streaming game. Uh, and more chew. <laughs> I'll let you buy into that at the same level I did. Obviously, there was no open answer there, but take it for what it is. I think it's good news, but I, I, it's all speculation at that point. But the fact is, is we got stuff. We got stuff. Rob Guillory, he was the man, still is the man. Go out, get you some farmhand. Go back, read my, or listen to my episodes of uh, Train Negotiations on Chew. You know, I'm still going to finish it out. I still got two more volumes to deliver. And from what it sounds like, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> he's about to, uh, to to blow my mind when it comes to the end. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Slurds, you got to support this podcast, man. And do so by going to Patreon. But for as little as a dollar, a dollar, a buck, you find a dollar. I mean, on your unluckiest day, you could find a dollar. Head on over to Patreon dot com slash cheers to comics and well um join up become a member of the slurred army i'm kind of kicking that name around it's not really sticking but be a slurred and uh <laughs> yeah it, it really does help the production of this podcast you know it, it, i mean i have no problem spending money on these on these books by any means and i spend a lot of money on these books i'm not a pirate that's so why i take pictures of all of them and yeah, no, and that's the other thing. Don't pirate your fucking books. Don't be, yeah, don't be that guy or girl. Just don't be that person. 
So, but the fact is, is yes, I acknowledge they, they cost money, and I'm here to deliver that content, and every little dollar helps out. But, you know, you start joining the, the, the higher tiers, and you end up getting comics in return, so, yeah. But, yeah, do so, Patreon, all that good stuff. There's also the easy way of doing it, the non-financial way of doing it, and that's just leaving a review. Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star review, it puts us up in the charts, I say us, me, the the podcast, and I say us as us, we are us, we're all one big slurred fucking family, right? Uh, so yeah, no, it, it boosts us up, and then bam, we get to, uh, we just, the more people get to listen because of exposure, because of algorithms and science and internet mumbo jumbo that I don't know, I don't know that stuff, but I'm told that's what you're supposed to do, so please do that. And, uh, you know, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving, and, uh, uh, fucking, I've enjoyed this, and thanks for tuning in, slurds. Y'all read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Good day, I'm Ken. And I'm Steve, and we're the hosts of the Nerd Cantina Show, where nerd culture and society intersect. Whether you come for entertainment news, or some space and science talk, we are here to keep you informed on weekly nerd topics and discuss how they affect us as a society. As well as having in-depth interviews in our Cantina Conversation and Fight Me Fridays. Just like any cantina, we want you to join in on the conversation. From our blog at thenerdcantina.com, our voicemail line, or our closed Facebook group at thenerdcantina.com forward slash community, where we really get to interact with our fans. So pull up a stool and get involved in our community.